This is Defender Radio. Defender Radio is brought to you by Gates Wildlife Control and the Association for the Protection of Fur-Bearing Animals. It's Friday, May 15th, 2015, and this is Michael Howie welcoming you to episode 228 of Defender Radio. This special report episode has been rushed to post for you, our wonderful supporters, so that we can let you know about an incredible documentary airing on CTV and CTV2 in Alberta this Monday, May 18th. Unnatural Enemies, The War on Wolves, explores the incredibly controversial wolf killing taking place in Alberta. Wildlife experts, biologists, advocates, hunters, and trappers are all included in the 44-minute documentary, as well as historic data and current science on wolf populations and behavior. We are very fortunate to have been granted an exclusive interview with the director and producer of the Pyramid Productions documentary, Jordy Day, who joined us to talk about the motivations of the film, the harsh realities facing wolves, and why everyone in Canada should be watching. Tell me a bit about the background of this project. You're the director and producer of Unnatural Enemies. Um, and how did this project begin? What was the the reason that drove you into making this? Okay, so, um, so I work for Pyramid Productions, which is like a, like a family business. So I work with my dad because it's, it's his company. And uh, we do like everything in house, like like post production, pre production, and like handle like the production in house because we we have people on salary, so like our camera departments in house and everything. But it um, how it came about was actually my dad uh, Larry um, had heard Kevin Van Tegum on the radio, I think, on, or or on a podcast or, or somewhere. I don't exactly know where he heard him, but he heard him talking about wolves, and he thought Kevin was great. And, and he had just brought that up in a development meeting as like, hey, maybe we could do a documentary with this guy. Um, so he just said, hey, Jordy, like, uh, maybe look into it. So I read Kevin's book and I thought it was great um, just because it was so conversational. It was so easy to understand. Um, he didn't vilify anyone. Um, he's like a very empathetic guy and he's just a really good writer. So I really liked his book. I wrote up a treatment and then from there, uh, we sold it to CTV and we talked to Kevin and he was on board and this all happened pretty quick because, uh, we had a pretty quick turnaround on the dock. Um, we started filming it, uh, in March and editing at near the end of March and just the last few weeks, um, it just got like color corrected and audio. And so, so we turned it around pretty quick as far as, as far as docs go. Now you had said you read, uh, Kevin Van Tiem's book and he's the, the concert, the former conservation officer who's sort of the protagonist throughout this, uh, documentary. Um, at what, prior to that, so prior to this project starting, did you know much about the issue of wolves in Alberta? No, I didn't. I didn't know. Um, I didn't really know anything about it. I was totally shocked that it was going on, and surprised that there wasn't a bigger fuss 
um, about it because, you know, wolves are so much like dogs. I just kind of, and finding, learning more about wolves um, and how intelligent they are and how inhumane they're being killed. I mean, I just found the whole thing to be very surprising and very surprising that it was happening at home, like where I grew up, that it was going on in Alberta. Yeah, I think that's that's probably a pretty common reaction across the board. Uh, and, of course, a lot of this happens out of the way. This isn't happening in Calgary or, or Alberta or any, or I'm sorry, not Alberta, Calgary or Edmonton or any of the other major cities. It's, it's sort of out in the middle of nowhere, so people aren't seeing it. Um, and that, to me, is a very interesting choice made in the, the direction of this documentary. Something we'd see a lot in documentaries is either glorified gore is what I'd call it, intending to get a shock value, or it's the Alfred Hitchcock implied violence. So at the moment of something horrible happening, it cuts, you hear the sound, and you're forced to sort of comprehend what happened in your imagination. But you seem to have taken a very uh, almost objective approach in that you show some of the violence, but it's not made up to be more than it is. So you're left with your own base emotions to respond to it. Was that really the intent of how you directed it in that regard? I think that's true for sure. Um, yes. Uh, I think, I think uh, a lot of that came from the fact that Kevin sort of takes you through the story and, and Kevin's just not like a, um, a very a super critical person. Like he, he doesn't, he doesn't vilify people on the other side. And, um, and I sort of feel the same way. I, I like, I don't feel like it's, um, I don't feel like it's a very good strategy uh, when dealing with these things to sort of say, okay, well, these people are like evil or they're bad because people on the other side aren't, you know, uh, everybody we interviewed, I liked, and I thought they were, I thought they were good people. Um, the trappers are good, are good people. And they don't think what they're doing is inhumane. They think what they're doing helps the environment. Um, Dave Hairview, uh, the, the government biologist, is I think is a, a good guy and he has good intention. The, the problem I have is the, the politics of the situation, how the government has handled the situation. That's, um, that's what I have a problem with. So I think, I think that's, that's probably the reason the doc feels objective because it's that was always something I was conscious of and aware of was not trying to to vilify any specific person. Yeah, and that's something uh, I, I can respect as a very difficult thing to do. Um, on our side, obviously, we advocate against trapping, we advocate against culls and all of these types of uh, things, and we still have to sit and talk about it. Um, and that can be, you know, just in a casual conversation for me, it's in writing our blogs and doing media interviews, and it can even be, you know, at, at a house of commons, uh, committee hearing we did recently. And you have to try very, very hard to not get angry at the person on the other side of the table because you lose your ability to talk at that point. Um, now what, what was it like reviewing? I mean, you had, the, uh, 
a lot of images again there is only one that's sticking with me and this is coming from, i my background was crime news i i've been to crime scenes i reviews evidence tapes i sit and i watch a lot of videos uh, like this all the time and see the photos of animals in distress the one that was very upsetting to me uh, was actually uh, archival footage of a dog responding to strychnine poisoning. Um, what was your reaction? I mean, you clearly you saw that clip and you heard the biologists and the advocates talking about the fact that almost all of the modern world has rejected the use of this poison, but it's being used probably not too far from where you are right now. How how did you respond to that while doing this project? I mean, it was, yeah, it's rough. I mean, it's rough for me to see too, you know. Um, I, th I think that was just the correlation I was trying to draw is just that, you know, wolves are, are, are so similar to dogs, except they're just more intelligent and probably um, capable of a more sophisticated, they, they have a more sophisticated emotional intelligence. And so I was, I was feeling like, well, if dogs were being killed on this kind of scale, obviously people would be completely outraged. Like people love their dogs. So I was just trying to, to sort of make that connection. You know, if people, if people see it happening to a dog, uh, they'll realize. And obviously the, the footage shows the violent nature of those toxicants that are being used on wolves. It visualizes it. Um, it makes it real for people. Yeah, it, that is definitely uh, always interesting. And that's, uh, and I'm not going to try and describe your documentary. I want people to see it for themselves. Uh, but in one sequence, you do uh, have trappers talking about the extremely high success rates of their work, followed very, very quickly by images, video, stories of it not working. Um, and you do this in both directions, I'd like to, to add. So it's not just trying to sort of illustrate perhaps the shortcomings in that statement on on the, the trapping or hunting side, but you do it on the environmental side as well. Um, and, and for me, I'm sitting and I'm watching it and I have to kind of stifle a snort uh, again because that's what I deal with on a day-to-day -day basis. What was the reaction of your team and what do you think the reaction of viewers will be when they kind of hear the line that's given followed by the actual evidence, both, uh, you know, visual, statistical, and so on? Well, I'm hoping that people aren't, well, I ho I'm hoping people will be empathetic to a certain extent, you know? Um, it, and that's sort of the, the thesis of the documentary. You know, we, we spend the last, I mean, I don't want to give too much away, but we spent a long time sort of making the point that, it's so deeply rooted culturally amongst trappers and amongst farmers and amongst a lot of people living in rural Alberta, obviously not everybody, but a lot of people living in rural Alberta. So it's, it's, um, I don't think when people say things like that, that they're lying, it's just what they're brought up to believe. It's sort of the classic case of traditional values versus scientific evidence. And I thought Kevin actually, Kevin had a great line. He's like, it's like a religion. It's like arguing religion with people. Yeah. It just feels, I and mean, that's exactly what it's like. It's like religion. Yeah. So like, I wasn't judging anybody who, who felt that way. And at that point I was still sort of trying to figure out how I felt about it, the whole issue as a whole. But, um, 
I, yeah, I tend to, I, I tend to lean towards scientific evidence. And that's, uh, uh, there, there's quotes and these, I checked, these are in the trailer, which is posted, uh, along with this, this podcast on our blog. Um, and, um, you, uh, I, I'm, I can't recall exactly who said what, um, but there was, um, someone talking about, and again, this is on that scientific point. Uh, they use the term mystery math and armchair biology, um, which I, I really like that quote, um, and that is something that comes up and I'll, I'll bug you a bit about it afterwards. And then the other one was, um, one of the, uh, fish and game association representatives who said they'll reduce the populations of wild animals to the point where they have to find other food sources in the worst case scenario, that could be us. I think that was probably the one line of pure sensationalism I heard in the entire 44 minutes of this documentary. Um, from any side involved in this, uh, what do you th- do? You believe that people are going to respond to that by questioning it? Do you think they're going to hear it and say, "My God, he's right," or do you think they're going to sort of continue to watch and try and form their own opinion, much like it sounds like you did? Yeah, well, I'm hoping they they form their their own opinion. That's in there because um, a lot of the way people feel about wolves is fear based. And um, and that's just an example of that. I mean, statistically speaking, wolves just pose a minuscule threat to people. I mean, I think there's been very few wolf attacks. They just tend not to attack people. And we we talked to uh, wolf photographers, and we and we we talked to biologists that have tracked wolves, and we talked to uh, even farmers that hate wolves. Some of them felt that wolves, or most of them felt that wolves don't pose a threat, but there's sort of that mythology that wolves are very dangerous, and if we let their numbers get out of control, they're going to start eating people and attacking people, and we're going to have those problems, even though we haven't seen that really happen before. We'll be right back after these words from our sponsors. You're listening to Defender Radio. I am Brad Gates, owner of Gates Wildlife Control. Do you have raccoons or squirrels living in your attic? Did you know that the hole in your roof is letting water in? Your insulation is being ruined and they could be chewing on your electrical wiring? Protect your biggest investment. We will come to your house and provide you with a no obligation free estimate. Please visit our website at gateswildlifecontrol.com or dial 416-750-9453. Have you ever heard a coyote sing? Did you know that coyotes are also called North America song dogs? They communicate through unique howls, yips, and barks. At Coyote Watch Canada, we're committed to fostering peaceful coexistence for communities and their wildlife neighbors by building compassionate wildlife communities one community at a time. Please visit us at coyotewatchcanada.com for more information and tips about this amazing keystone species. Beaver dams help clean water, promote songbird diversity, encourage fish populations, and create better soil and a cleaner environment. Beavers are good for Canada, but will we be good to them? Find out more at furbearerdefenders.com and give a damn about beavers. 
This is Defender Radio. We're back with more from Jordy Day, director and producer of Unnatural Enemies, The War on Wolves. One of the things I, I really enjoyed was your uh, interview with a, a farmer in northern Alberta. And he was talking about growing up and his grandparents and his parents and his friends talking about how we have to fear wolves. And then as he started to try and learn more on his own and break the mold of what he had been taught, uh, really started to see things in a different light. I'm curious, do you think that this film may act as that... Uh, that launching point for many people in Alberta and as it spreads across Canada and perhaps the world, that they'll start questioning what they've been taught through folklore and mythology and start seeing uh, wolves and other animals in a different way. Jeez, I mean, I hope so. <laughs> that would be fantastic. I, I mean, it's, it's hard to say sometimes um, because it's such a deep-rooted cultural issue, these things can take a long time to change, but if, if it, um, if it impacts anyone's opinion for the better, that would be fantastic. I mean, that would be ideal. Absolutely. And I, I truly believe it will. Um, I, I think, as I said, you did such a, a wonderful job with this documentary. You, you really lay out the information and what I found truly the most impressive after being in this business of wildlife advocacy for a few years and with my background in journalism was that you were able to obtain such a wide array of people to speak. So you, uh, you went out with trappers, you went out with hunters, you got provincial and federal biologists, you got retired conservation officers, you got advocates. How, how did people respond when you first sort of told them what you wanted to do? What was the, the three, uh, the attitude that people were sort of providing back about being a part of this kind of documentary. I think everybody was happy about that approach because it's, it's usually an issue that's covered, you know, in two minutes, like as a news story or as um, like a blog post. And as you know, it's such a complicated issue. There are so many perspectives at play and so many facets to it. And then there's like, there's the issue of bounties and then there's the issue of the government sponsored call. And I just felt it was important um, to try and give people a general sense of the entire full scope of the issue. And then hopefully um, if they see the documentary, they become interested in it and then they do more research and find out more about the issue. But just to answer your, your, your first question, um, everybody from all sides was excited about that approach. Mm -hmm. And I can see why. Uh, and I think you nailed it on the head is for the last several years, as this discussion has evolved and devolved in many cases, it has been because of 15 second news clips where someone wants to state their, their belief system or, you know, uh, what probably amounts to a couple of textbooks of scientific knowledge. Uh, and it, it really is not possible to do in such a brief period. And uh, this, this was an excellent medium for that. Thanks so much. Um, and one of the, uh, one thing I thought uh, was interesting was the numbers question that came up. And this is something, and as these hunts are going on in Alberta, right now they're going on in British Columbia, uh, going on throughout parts of the world and the rest of Canada, uh, was how many wolves 
are there in Alberta? And you got a different answer from every single person you ask that question. <laughs> yeah, pretty uh, much. What, what goes through your mind when you're sitting in the editing bay and you're putting those in a row like that? What's running through your mind as you, you try? I, I, like, I don't even know what I think of that. From biologist to biologist, you have different numbers. From trappers to advocates, there are different numbers. How do you sort of deal with that in your mind as you watch it? Yeah, well, it's just a, it's just a connect. It's just something, a conclusion. I, it's something I realized um, interviewing different people and asking that question because uh, some people, well, initially, like just talking to people on the phone and setting up interviews, I realized that some people were saying, well, wolf numbers are completely out of control. Um, there's going to be a boom. They're going to eat all the deer. They're going to eat all the ungulates. And then, then they're going to have nothing to eat. And it's just going to be devastating for the entire habitat in Alberta. And th then there were, uh, there were people saying, oh, no, wolf numbers are completely healthy. And as you say, it was just across the board radically different numbers so um that was something i came to realize pretty early on and, and something that i thought felt was pretty important to uh conclude or, or something pretty important to put in the documentary pretty early on well and uh, to me it almost illustrates the entire theme of the documentary i mean underlying it all is the story of the wolf in alberta um they're they're, they're who they are as a species through to how we manage them as a society and as a government. Um, and it's this, this constant back and forth. Um, now, as you said, you have leaned more in one direction since you started this project, since you read the book by Kevin. What do you think on Monday people across Alberta who see this are going to think? Or do you think they'll have a conclusion at the end of the documentary? Mm-hmm. Well, what's important to me is that they're given the information and that they'll be able to form their own opinions. So I, 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 that's a tough thing to predict, but I guess, I guess we'll see. I mean, I, I just hope that it, it draws more attention to the issue, that people become uh, more educated on the issue, and then they can form their own opinions from there. Excellent. And uh, finally, we've got a brand spanking new government in place. Um, right. So the lovely gentleman you, you accosted in the film <laughs> uh, by saying, I wanted to ask you a question. They say email it. And you said, I did email you. And then they just walk away. Um, that's That government is gone. Um, do you think that this dawn of a new government, and of course, we're touching on all of these wonderful subjects from animal welfare to religion to politics now. Um, do you think that this could be a new corner in this story that's just constantly evolving. Yeah, I mean, I hope so. <laughs> um, I really hope so. I'm excited for that possibility, but I guess again, we'll see. Hopefully, they uh, hopefully they handle the situation better than it's been handled right now, or has been handled in the past. Unnatural Enemies, The War on Wolves will air on Monday, May 18th, on CTV and CTV2 in Alberta. As soon as it becomes available for audiences online, on DVD, or on other stations, the Fur Bears will let you know. Learn more about the film and Pyramid Productions at pyramidproductions.tv. That's our time for this special report. 
I'd like to thank Jordy Day of Pyramid Productions, as well as Brad Gates of AAA Gates Wildlife Control for his support. Until next time, this is Michael Howie reminding you to stay informed and stay strong.